we really, as believers and followers of Christ, we need to cling to the fact that God is good. Do you agree with that? And how important it is that we realize, because we live in a world that we know that there isn't goodness all around us, and we live in a world that is broken, and we've all experienced uh, what a world is that's broken, and we've all experienced this side of life called evil, and we know there's a darkness. But what pierces the darkness is the goodness of God. We all need amazing good news, and that comes from God. Here's what's interesting. Here's how the human soul, I believe, craves good news. Here's a couple of slices of American pie, uh, and these are feel-good stories, and I love them. Bert and John Jacobs, brothers, wanted to design something that they could sell on T-shirts with a positive message. So they put together this goofy stick character named Jake, and he had this, they thought this great grin, and they thought this is just going to sell like crazy, and it just didn't sell at all. So they changed one thing. They put underneath this stick character these three words, life is what? Good. And in 1994, they, they ran uh, out to, to the market there in Boston, and they sold 48 T-shirts, and they sold them rapidly. And they thought, boy, we're on to something. And man, were they ever on to something. That message, life is good, now is sold in 4,500 retail stores in all 50 states and 30 countries. Why? Not because of the stick figure. It's because of the message. We all want to believe that life is good. But probably the classic example of simplicity that demonstrates how we crave happiness came in 1963. In 1963, interestingly enough, and this was not Forrest Gump, Harvey Ross Ball, a graphic artist, was commissioned by State Mutual because they were having a lot of conflict in their company to create a positive morale, just make something that creates a positive image. In 10 minutes, he cranked out the smiley face, and they paid him $45 for that. He got ripped off because that smiley face, I want you to think of the countless times, including Forrest Gump, that you see the smiley face. Now, why would a yellow smiley face be such a big deal? It's because deep inside, we want to know that there is goodness in the world. We all want to know that there's goodness in the world because the news tells us all the time that we don't live in a world that is good. It's interesting, Jim Lear, his news team, did an extensive uh, uh, research on national reporting, and they just simply said, every story that's covered nationally, let's put it in two categories, good news, bad news. Now, this is amazing. The bad news in the news outweighed the good news 17 to 1. You want to know why? Because they believe with all their hearts the news, bad news sells. Matter of fact, interestingly in their research that bad news, really bad news, crisis, actually sticks in our memory banks more than good news. Let me give you an example of that. How many remember where you were when JFK was shot? Anyone? Yeah, you're showing your age, okay. How about when the space shuttle exploded? Now all of us can probably relate to this. How about 9-11? Think of the conversations you've had over the years about crisis. Now, is that bad? No. No, because we, again, we live in a world that is broken. 
But we also live in a world that God created, and it's an amazing world because we serve an amazing God. And we need to celebrate the fact that God really is good. I love the quote by D.A. Oveda. It says this, Once you have feasted on the goodness of God, nothing else matters. I mean, do you agree with that? Think about that. Once you have feasted on the goodness of God, nothing else matters. This morning, we're going to feast on the goodness of God. And we're going to do that how God created us through our five senses. And I was thinking about this these last few weeks. I've been praying through this message, and I thought, Every day in my life, God demonstrates his goodness. Every day in your life, he demonstrates his goodness and in the most basic ways. And really, the most basic way that we live is through our five senses. In Psalms 139.14, it simply says that I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In a great little book that I finished called um, Awaken Your Senses, They share this, and I love this, about enjoying God to the fullest and the senses that God gave us. It says, if you ever long to live this way, truly present to God throughout an entire day, is that even possible? We each desire authentic spiritual experiences with God, real, moving, transforming engagements. The trouble is how we've been taught to live out our faith. Most of us Learn by teaching, by sermons, books, Bible studies, and other spiritual resources. That's what instructs our thinking. But we miss our souls. We need to experience God every day with our souls. One guy put it, the problem is we have too little transformation and too much information. Now, let's be brutally honest. How many here have ever fallen asleep in church? Am I the only one? I have fallen asleep while I've spoke. I mean, I'm seriously, it's, it's easy play. You get here and guy starts yapping and all of a sudden it's, you know, I, years ago I was in chapel at uh, the school I went and I'd been up all night uh, reading the Bible. But anyway, I was up all night and, and my foot for some reason was on a, I guess it was like a little bulletin and I was out and you know how your body goes limp and my foot just went wham, just kicked this big chair and, uh, during prayer time and everybody's looking at me and I'm pointing at the other guy. You know, and I'm like, man, how does that happen? Well, it happens because you get in a setting like this and, and we think that's the, the most important way to experience God. And, and I got to be honest, it's not. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad you're all here. And, and sermons are important. That's not what I'm saying. Sermons and getting in God's word is important. But every day we need to let God come alive in our life through our senses. Here's the first one is our sight. In Psalms 8, 3 and 4, it says, When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which are set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. In other words, he said, when you just look around, just slow down, take a deep breath, and you realize in all of God's creation, he loves us. Are we thankful for all the things that we see? The other day I was out walking my dog. It was an evening, and one of my neighbors who just started exercising rode by. He was so excited, uh, and uh, he, he rode by me, and I got to the corner. He goes, did you see Mars? And I'm like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. He goes, oh, just, and he showed me exactly where Mars at. He goes, can you believe people are missing that? I'm like, I can't believe people are missing that, you know. <laughs> 
We just need to be so open and look around at God is doing. We should be impressed with God's creation. Do you realize with your eyes that you can distinguish 10 million different colors? Our eyes allow us to see every day the fingerprints and the miracles of God. But you know what impresses God about us with our eyes? Is with our eyes if we see the world the way Jesus saw the world. If we saw people the way Jesus saw people. Then we begin to see a world that we've perhaps never seen before. You probably remember at least once or twice hearing your parents loudly proclaim, pay attention. You think sometimes that's what God's doing with his creation? Just pay attention. Just look around and realize that your sight is amazing. Our smell is amazing. Hosea 14, verses 5 and 6. I love this. At the very end of this Old Testament prophecy, listen to his description of the presence of God. I will be, this is God speaking to the nation of Israel, I will be like the dew to Israel. And he will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots and his young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like the olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Now, if you had a highlighter and you were starting to go through verses five and six, look how descriptive the aromas of God are. The dew of Israel. The blossom of a lily, the cedar of Lebanon, an olive tree. He's just saying, allow the senses to come alive and realize that these, there's these amazing fragrances that actually should draw us closer to God. There really are. All of us have things in our life that should bring about just almost this amazing uh, living to the fullest. Um, I'm a very shallow person, you know that. And every year, the spring of the year, I'm weird. I love to get my glove out. I usually oil it down, pat it, bend it, smell it. I can't tell you the smell of leather. How many here play ball and know what I'm talking about? You know I'm not crazy here. There's just something about that leather, and I mean, it just floods me with memories. You know, all, all the standing ovations I got, all, you know, it's embarrassing, you know, I, but it just brings back so many amazing, it just, it's spring. Now, here's the deal. I guarantee if we went around this room, there are certain fragrances and smells that trigger something in you deep, deeply emotional, deeply stirring, and God created us that way for a reason. It's interesting that women have a stronger sense of smell than men. They've proven this scientifically. Uh, but men are not, men are better, but women have a stronger sense the other thing about our senses or our smelling senses is that there is a powerful link to our memory bank and our brain. That it's critical. When we smell different things, it will take us to a certain spot. It will take us to a memory that many times is a priceless memory. I grew up in a little bitty church, and I, gotta tell you, I can't tell you how many times over the years I'll be in a little church and I'll say, oh, that smells like home. Now, I know that sounds weird to think that a church has a smell, uh, our church had a smell, but I mean, we have a smell. The, this building has a smell, does it not? Yeah. I mean, for years, think about just what God has done through our sense of smell. In Ephesians 5, 2, it says, walk this way in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. He gave himself up for us as what? A fragrant offering. 
See, in the Old Testament, when they would bring their offerings to God, uh, the burn offerings especially, when they'd take these animals and they'd burn these offerings, God says there is a pleasing aroma. Now we're thinking, is that because it's like grilled beef? Is that, I mean, what is it? That's not what it is at all. God is saying, I know when you come to that altar and you lift up these sacrifices, that you literally, if your heart is right, you're lifting that up to me. And that fragrance reminds me of your obedience. It reminds me of your sacrifice. And that is an amazing aroma. And God still wants that from our lives. God says, just like when you sit out on a grill and you grill this perfect steak and there's this thing that just makes your, your mouth water, or you go into a pizza parlor and your mouth water. I mean, God says, now you know what that's like, but I'm telling you, when you give your life to me, it's just like that. You're lifting up your life and there is an amazing aroma. Oh, God blesses us and he is good, even with what we smell. And then what we hear. In Proverbs 20, 12, it says, Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. He's made them both. How important are our ears? Well, how important is listening? I want you to think about how important listening is. Do we have any married couples here? How important is listening? (laughs) Oh, please, I could shut this sermon down right now. I mean, that, (laughs) this is a big deal. Now, listen to this. I, I love this. Years ago, it was a book called The Friendship Factor. And I don't know if you know that there's an election that's going to happen here in a few months. Anybody aware of that? And I don't know about you, but I'm so excited about both candidates. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to God is good. Okay. God is good. Okay. Back in the 1880s in England, this is what was going on with the, they were running for prime minister. It was William E. Gladstone, and he was running against Benjamin Disraeli. And there was a woman who on consecutive evenings got to sit at the table with some other distinguished folks, and she got to have extended conversations with both of these men running for prime minister. That's pretty amazing, back-to-back nights, to, have, uh, to be in the presence of William Gladstone and Benjamin Disraeli from Great Britain. Afterwards, a journalist asked her, so tell me about your experience. She said, well, the evening that I was in the presence of William E. Gladstone, I was convinced that he was the cleverest person in Great Britain. And the next evening, after I had a time with Benjamin Disraeli, I was convinced that I was the cleverest person in Great Britain. Do you see the difference? That's what listening does. I love, and I believe this is so true, that if you want to be interesting, be interested. Listen. You want to have friends? I share this with my kids all the time. You want to have a lot of friends? Be a good listener. It's not about what you buy. It's do you care? And are you willing to listen? In John 10, 27, it simply says this. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. Are you listening for the voice of God? I mean, as you're pouring over God's word, every day as you're living in Christ, are you listening for his voice? See, here's what's interesting. We listen at a rate of 125 to 250 words a minute, but our mind can comprehend one to 3,000 thoughts per minute. And we all know that's true, isn't it? You're listening to someone And all these thoughts are just going crazy. And so to actually listen intently is not an easy thing to do. Matter of fact, I believe that is a discipline 
to make yourself listen. How many here, grandparents or parents, of preschool kids? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay, what does a preschooler do to make you listen? What do they do? They take their hands out and they put them on your face and then they get in your face and they talk to you. You ever, you ever have that happen? Yeah. You ever want, you, I think God wants to do that with us. Like, hello, creation, create. And he wants to get right in our face like, hey, you are missing it. You're missing it. You're not looking around. You're not listening. You don't realize that I am a God that is good. I'm good. And then taste. Psalms 34.8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We have 10,000 taste buds. It changes every two weeks. But taste is powerful. Uh, last weekend, I missed being with y'all. You can tell I was in Tennessee because I just said y'all. Um, and we went down to Nashville with our family, and we went hiking, and then we went and uh, had a meal at Loveless Cafe. Anybody ate at Loveless Cafe? Good, four of you. Okay, so I don't know if we've got that picture here. I'd like to bring that up. Of, uh, is that coming up, biscuits? Okay, if it doesn't, ah, look at that. Uh, I took that with my camera, by the way. Any, um, and I did embarrass my kids by doing that. But anyway, I, I got to tell you, we sat there, and, they, and they, that's kind of like their appetizers. They bring out these, I would call them miniature biscuits. They're the best biscuits I have ever eaten. And then they have these three different, you know, flavors of jams that come out. And just our family's, it was almost embarrassing um, how many <laughs> plates of biscuits we went through, and we're, we're eating those. But I lean back, and I'm like, oh, man, life is good. And my son, my son Caleb, has a kind of a strange sense of humor. And he said, Dad, don't talk like that. You sound like a sitcom father on TV, you know. <laughs> oh, life is good. But it was good. But, you know, we've all been there, haven't we? You have in your family, I guarantee, traditions and you have taste. There are things when you walk in your home and there's certain things that you eat and it's, you think, this is almost spiritual. And you know what? It's because it is. I mean, God built us this way. In the Hebrew culture, it's interesting how important it is to recognize our taste. The rabbis, when they would work with all their young students, they would have their tablets out and they would put a little drop of honey on each tablet. And before they ever started, the rabbi would say, now, lift up your tablets, smell the honey, taste the honey, and then repeat after me. And here's what they would repeat. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey. Now, why would the priest do that? Because he knew the power of taste, that this is the word of God. Man, take this word in and eat it just like biscuits and honey. Let this be such a part of your life that it's so real in your life. And have you ever thought about in the Hebrew culture, the most important meal that they have in the entire year is what? It's the Passover. Everything, and if you've never been a part of that, I challenge all of you to be a part of a Passover celebration. But everything that they put on that table, everything is a reminder, every taste of their experience with God. Let me give you just a few of those items. Matzo, which is placed in the folds of a napkin. They represent the haste from the Israelites. The mar, which is bitter herbs, is a reminder of the bitterness that they went through with slavery. The roasted egg symbolizes 
life. And the roasted shank bone, the zira of the lamb, stands for the lamb that was sacrificed in the first Passover. Everything they eat, they're saying, there's a story here. Everything you taste, there's a meaning behind it. Every sense that God allows us to experience is to draw us to him. Every sense. And then last of all is touch. In Luke 4.40, it says this. At sunset, the people brought Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying hands on each one. Now think about that. On each one, he healed them. Now, think about what Jesus was able to do with his voice. So just randomly, as a group, what are some things that Jesus commanded and it happened? So throw anything out. What's something Jesus commanded with his voice? Anything. The sea. He calmed the sea. Anything else with his voice? He, yeah. Yes. What did he do, Lane? He prayed. Think of all the things that Jesus did with his voice. Now, do you think Jesus had enough authority to heal people without even being there? Yeah, we know, because he did that. There were times that Jesus said, when you go back home, your son is healed. When he went to Lazarus, he called him from the dead, just his voice. He could have done that with every individual, but yet think of all the times that Jesus intentionally reached out, and what did he do? He touched them, because there is power in the human touch. Think of the power of God's touch in our life. Do you realize that that sense that God gave us is literally to draw us to God? The power of touch. The impact of touch. It means everything. You know, one of the things they talk a lot in church growth uh, is welcomes and all this stuff. And there's a, a lot of folks think you should never like have a time you're greeting one another because you don't want people to feel like weird. But on the flip side is, we need to greet one another. We need to reach out and shake each other's hand. And there are Sundays you need to reach out and give somebody a hug. And that is powerful and that is important. As Christ has designed us, God has created us for that. Years ago, I want to close with this, was a, a, a true story about a little town. And they ran this thing. They wanted to see who the best neighbor was. So they had neighbors just write in the newspaper, say, would you just tell us a story about a neighbor, and we're going to choose the, the best neighbor in our community. And so, you know, people started riding in like crazy. And uh, somebody called this woman, and she said, you know, the newspaper's doing this thing on the best neighbor. And she goes, yeah. And she goes, your son won that award. She said, my son is only in kindergarten. She goes, I don't know what he did, but he won the best neighbor award. Your neighbor turned him in, basically. So she was really, like, blown away. So little guy comes in from kindergarten. She sat him down, and she said, do you know the newspaper has this contest about the best neighbor in this entire town, and you won the contest? And he's like, what's a newspaper? You know, you, you don't have a clue. What's gonna... And so she goes, well, evidently you did something for, and I'll just say Mr. Jones. You did something for Mr. Jones. Do you remember what you did? He goes, Mr. Jones? No. She said, well, remember when his wife passed away? 
and you went over there? He goes, oh, yeah, I remember. She said, well, when you went over there, what did you say? And he said, he just thought for a long time. He goes, well, he was sitting out on his front porch. And she said, well, what did you say? And he goes, well, I didn't say anything. I just crawled and sat on his lap, and I just let him cry. And you know what? That's pretty powerful. We don't realize the power of a hug or a handshake. I know you can send a text, and I know you can shoot somebody an email, but it's not the same. Think of the times in your life when you've been at a breaking point. Somebody just came up to you and just gave you a hug. Somebody reached out to you. Did that mean something to you? Absolutely it meant something to you. See, God's designed everything within us, our senses, to draw us to his goodness. And he is so good. And some of you, I guarantee, are going through some hard times right now. You're going through some really difficult things, maybe in your family. Maybe there's stress going on where you work. Uh, Maybe there is a decision. You're just wrestling with God and you're trying to make a tough decision. But wherever you're at, here's the one absolute truth. God is what? He is good. He's good. And when you come to the conclusion that he is good, it will help you navigate through the most difficult seasons of your life. Everything you touch, everything you see, everything you hear draws you into the very presence of a good, good God.